listening to the Wouldn't It Be Cool podcast with Chris Dempsey. Welcome to the second episode of the Wouldn't It Be Cool podcast with Chris Dempsey. That's me. And uh, today we have Julia Dundorf in the house. She's a good friend of mine. Our children are friends, good friends. Her son and my daughter. Um, and we have uh, what I think is a pretty cool conversation. It's basically about the um, tiny subject of saving the world. So pay attention, people. Hello, Julia. Hello, Chris. Um, thank you for coming. Oh, it's great to be here. Gorgeous day. Good view. No, that's that. That was the real thank you. Was thank you for coming on this gorgeous day. Mm. And, well, and I got my woods run in, so I would have been crankier. <laughs> crankier. <laughs> good. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> um, yeah, I figured you did. Mm. And a girl. I got a nice long walk in. Excellent. I did five miles today, just walking. Very nice. It's a long time. Yeah, but it's we're cool. all coming alive in the spring, aren't we? Yeah, it was mm. cool. I was sort of thinking about that whole concept of like, because um, people post so much, they post their workouts so much and it's always about, you know, I did five miles at this pace, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And yeah. I lifted this much weight and I did this yeah. and that. And I always try to encourage people to not care so much about that. Mm. Like now I post, now I actually post my slow times. Your meanders. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So now That's it's like... That's good stuff happens too. Yeah, exactly. Well, that was my that was my yeah. thing today. It was like I did... Yesterday I ran five miles and today I walked five miles and I was yeah. out longer. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I was just and the out. birds are coming alive. Exactly. I was out there in the yeah. sun and it was like smelling things and slowing yeah. down. Yeah. Right on. And it was yeah. funny too because I was... When I left the house, I, I wasn't going to bring my phone. Mm. Then I did... And then someone texted me and I was like all of a sudden walking down the street on my walk in the gorgeous weather, like looking at my frigging phone. Mm-hmm. I actually thought of you as I was running because you post those great pictures when you go out running yeah. of your trail runs. Yeah. And I don't take a device with me outside of yeah. my music. And I thought, oh, I and like the pictures, but. I know. That was a battle for a little while. Time. But it was, it was two things about that was one it was I'll, I'll use like map quest. I'll use yeah, uh, yeah. map my run. Right. And, um, and so it's. And I don't always, but I just, I, sometimes I just want to keep track of it. Mm-hmm. I just kind of want to know. And then that is the other reason, like, so I can like take a picture or right. two. Right. And I'm, I'm pretty good on my runs, like pretty disciplined about mm-hmm. just being like, I just stop for, I'll see something, I'll stop, I'll take the yeah. picture. And then on. Yeah. And then I just put it back and I, I don't like, I, when I take the picture, I don't quickly check my texts and quickly check my Facebook and quickly, check, you know, like 45 minutes later. Yeah. Yeah. But today when I did that, um, I went, I, I, I found myself trapped. I found myself just like, God damn it, I'm checking my phone, you know? And, um, and then when I did it, it died and it was weird because it wasn't a low battery mm-hmm. and it, it was sending you a message. It just died. It was like, <laughs> nope. And, uh, and, uh, so yeah, it was really good. It was cool. And it was like right That's in the fun. beginning. So I was like, ah, oh, yes. And I was so psyched. Very good. So, Julia Dundorf, um, I have you two Wouldn't It Be Cool podcasts for um, what you do with your world. Yeah. And I was thinking, like, I would try to describe it, but Mm. I only have such a vague 
uh, like idea that I don't feel like I can speak about it intelligently okay. enough. I understand. So I, I rarely I introduce other people because I feel like they have a much better sense about who they are, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank yeah. You. No, yeah. I'm happy to. So I'll yeah. talk about my, my professional work, mm. um, which is so intrinsically blended with uh, who I am and where I've come to it yeah. in my middle age here. Um, that was I, the draw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And coming, kind of coming back around to the work that I'm in. Um, I am the executive director of the New England Grassroots Environment Fund, which is uh, based in Newmarket, New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. And we are a hybrid uh, foundation nonprofit. So it was set up uh, 20 years ago on April 1st uh, to be by a a number of funders of foundations, philanthropic uh, organizations uh, that wanted to go deeper into communities and be able to support grassroots initiatives in the environmental realm. And they were feeling uh, a lot of concerns about what was happening politically 20 years ago. Yeah. Sadly, uh, we're probably worse today. off. <laughs> yes. And um, they weren't set up. Philanthropy isn't set up to give small grants to a lot of different groups. So right. they pooled funds and set up this organization. And what makes us a hybrid is we both give out money, but we also raise our own money. So most foundations are endowed. So uh, some fairly wealthy, well-heeled individual will set aside funds mm-hmm. and um, legally designate how they'll be spent. Mm-hmm. And you only spend out of the corpus, out of the out of the interest of that pot of money. Right. And with this oh, organization, literally the interest being oh, yeah. accrued, not exactly. the, what the group's interest is. Right. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. Right. And with this organization, we raise the funds each year through foundations, our foundation partners, and through individual donors. And our goal is to support grassroots initiatives, meaning projects that pe- regular people are doing in their communities across New England. So we, we fund across New England, focused um, to some degree on environmental work. And that can be everything from uh, one of our leading areas, issue areas, is sustainable agriculture and food, the food Mm. system. How are we going to feed ourselves uh, with quality food, uh, with all the the environmental and the economic uh, changes that we're seeing? Also, uh, environment, I mean, uh, climate change and energy Mm. is a big area for our work environmental health and safety. So we're talking pollution, water extraction, contamination. And so we have a host of different kinds of organizations or or citizen groups that come together seeing a problem in their community or seeing a solution that they want to uh, work on together. And so we're both about the environmental uh, positive impacts that those people can make, but also on that rebuilding of the social fabric of communities, of Mm. the connections between people. It's a huge, massive, massive undertaking. It is. It is. And we have, in those 20 years, we have uh, probably somewhere between 1,800 and 1,900 distinct grantee groups. Some of them have gotten multiple grants over these years. So we're in, we estimate, over 60% of the communities in New England have received grants from us. Um, And another thing I think that makes us really unique, and I, I hope that other types of these funds pop up, is that... The majority, uh, around 70% of our grantee groups don't have what's called 501c3 status, which is an IRS designation Mm -hmm. that they're a charity that you can write off your check to. So we're able to serve as what's called a fiscal uh, sponsor for them. So that allows these kinds of citizen groups that aren't terribly formal, but formal enough to have a thing, you know, they're, they're, they're coming together, they're organized to, to get funding. You must have, um... 
uh, qualifications that they oh, sort yeah. of have to. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and that's all on on our website that people can get to. But what's really evolved for us too, and, and actually started from the beginning, wasn't just environmental projects, but how does that weave into social issues that are so uh, bound up in environmental issues? And we're really um, doubling down on our work in social justice and on um, on class and race issues mm. and the kind of uh, disparity and imbalances that we're seeing in our society. You're like tackling everything, basically. Well, you can't you can't yeah. do it any other way. Yeah. I mean, we are looking at and all the there are plenty of problems right now, right? It's mm. pretty. Some mornings it's tough to get up, and it's you yeah. have to decide whether you want to watch the news or or listen to the news. Never, I never. Well, yeah, and but at the same time, we the, we're talking, we're here for a reason. We've made you know one step at a time. We've made these decisions as as our culture uh, around the world. Different cultures have made the decisions that have put us where we are. Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it. Um, when you think about, uh, I, I think about this concept a lot, where the the concept of um, struggling to go on. Mm-hmm. So back in the pioneer days, it was mm-hmm. literally not freezing to death. It was right. literally like not giving up yeah. because it hurt so much just to like be alive, literally right. physically hurt right. so much because right. you were so cold, you were so hungry, you were right. so sick. It was survival. Your teeth were falling out of your head. But right. but we, and you know, and that's one time period. So every right. time period kind of has their struggle for survival and chose to go on mm-hmm. no matter mm-hmm. what, what, obviously like, or we wouldn't yeah. be here, which is yeah. like, thank you. Yeah. doing that yeah. but it's what but in that light it's interesting what our struggles are now like fighting yeah. ourselves basically yeah and you know, what i oh, i find so challenging and um challenging both in a positive and a negative sense is around this disparity issue mm-hmm. and around what is being very frank and open is is white privilege yeah you know so much of the, the disparities, the anger, the conflicts that we're seeing around the world, and we can just, you know, I'm working in New England, are can be rooted back to an extractive kind of culture. Yeah. That in order to move forward, we're taking from somebody else. And that virtually always has been something of a race issue. And very commonly, and for the most part, has been whites taking from people of color. Yeah. And now we're seeing these imbalances coming out and oh, yeah. becoming something, and they've always been there, and they've always come out. But I think we're being forced to look at it, and it's not pretty. Um, and it takes, as a, as a white woman of, of privilege, I consider yeah. myself, you know, being extremely middle class, lucky. Be extremely lucky. Mm. And I can't even understand, because I only come with my own experiences. I can read, I can talk to people. But really, I'm embedded in the, 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 the base of that privilege. You know, I make my decisions on oh, yeah. not having to yeah, struggle yeah, yeah. every day because of the color of my skin or, oh, yeah. you know, of where I grew up or, you know, a class issue. Um, and I think it's really difficult for, for us to get beyond that and really understand without being kind of a savior, you know, the whole, right. we'll right, take right. care of you. Right, We're, right, you know, the do-gooder yeah, yeah. thing, which is... I think just as it has a weird dangerous. element of backfiring. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's, it is, it's a, it's an interesting tightrope to walk. Sometimes I find myself doing the same thing. You know, obviously a lot of times it's on Facebook, you know, where you see yeah. where you have a friend who is, you know, of color and they say something that, that you sort of support and you kind of like, like 
I find myself being mindful of my words, just like, well, you know, I want to support, but I don't want to offend. And, you know, like, yeah. but it, but it, I, I don't, it's a thought that, you know, a fleeting thought through my head. I, I, I'm pretty like genuine about it, authentic about it. That I, yeah. You know, it is just how I feel. So, but I think even if you're conscious of it, it takes us talking about it and it takes us, um, facing it. And, and as you say, being authentic mm-hmm. and, um, and, understanding the difference between solidarity and being in alignment and supportive of different paths and different um realities you know of culture of race of of um of class there's a difference between that and um and feeling like we have the answers or we want to fix it you know it's not i don't have the experiences to fix this problem but i can pitch in and be a part of that kind of solidarity behind it. And so this gets back to the environmental piece. So Which is, that's that there is a tie there. That's what I, I was thinking about that too. Is like, we, it's the same thing. We do the same thing you're talking about with, uh, with, uh, you know, taking from people of color to move ourselves forward and to, yeah. and, and, you know, and solidify our white privilege. Yeah. But also, um, we do the same thing with the frigging planet and yes. the animals, like just plow over everything mm-hmm. in our path to just get what we want. Gain. Mm-hmm. It's happening Makes me insane. all the time, every day. Yeah. We're seeing it, you know, with um, with fracking. So we talk about the, the natural gas pipelines, the nice clean blue flame with the <laughs> happy children. It's not natural gas. There's nothing natural about the way we're getting this gas. Yeah. It's fracked gas, and we are shitting on our planet to get yeah. that. And much of that fracked gas or coal is coming out of public lands, our lands, mm. which I think most people don't realize. And we have... We have a say in that. We have a decision to make. And in fact, uh, with coal, about 40% of coal in this country is coming out of public lands. Yeah. Have we made a decision about that? Is that, is, are the environmental impacts of the entire process? Because that, again, we're not seeing that. When we turn the light switch on, we're not feeling the externalities of how that electron got to our light, you know, to our circuit. Mm. You know, we're not seeing the mountaintop removal yeah. in the poor communities in, in, you know, Appalachia. We're not uh, having to face the transportation issues and the, you know, the black dust on the children's desks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know enough about it. Um, what, what, I did see, am I, am I correct? Um, is my assumption correct? My observation that um, you sort of said, you know, it's happening on these public lands and... Mm-hmm. and um, maybe a little bit of like why aren't we doing more about it and i see the only thing i've seen where people are really somewhat successfully fighting mm-hmm. it are kind of like native americans is that there's been some really right? really impressive yeah, work yeah, there's yeah. a group in um with the the tar sands out out west um and the t- tar sands um some of the major fields are up in canada on mm. on um, first nation lands right. and they have done some phenomenal organizing yeah. And our big part of why that was the XL pipeline was was shut down. There's a group called Bold Nebraska, which is um, whites and um, people, you know, the the First Nation tribes mm. coming together. And what I where I think one of those great ironies of history is they organized a campaign uh, to to essentially march on Washington, and they got called it Cowboys and Indians Go to Washington. Right, yeah. Who would have imagined that ranchers? And First Nation people would be coming together right. on an issue, but it's, I was just sort of got thinking about that in my head. I was like, "Well, if they're so successful, then why wouldn't people that don't sort of have the gumption or or um, wherewithal to fight sort of enlist?" And mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, wouldn't that just be the irony?" 
Mm-hmm. Would not mm-hmm. just be the sad, sad irony. Yeah. Hey, Native Americans want to come help us fight for your land yeah. back. Yeah. Wait a minute. And well, and the pipelines are going now in Canada and in the U.S. And those pipelines are carrying these really nasty extracted fuel, fossil fuels, to keep us on fossil fuels, and going through the lands. Uh, I'm watching a. Um, is that a? Uh, a beaver out there in the pond. Oh, I think that is. That's a great view. Yeah, it's pretty, right? Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's grounding me. So, oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Beaver, it's the giant snapping turtle. <laughs> I think it's moving I, too fast. Yeah, I, think I, I, I can't. Yeah, too fast for a turtle. Yeah. Yeah, I can't bring myself to get rid of him. He's too big to trap. Yeah. Her. Yeah. It's, it's literally two feet long. Yeah, yeah. yeah hey, yeah. that's his. That's his place, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's also no ducks or anything else. Of right. The but we'll figure right. It out. Yeah. Well, you'll, you'll figure harmony it out. will happen. He's not too yeah. big for yeah. yeah. You know, we're talking about you know when we started. I I mentioned that there's communities coming together for both um, the problems and the solutions, and there are, there's no uh, ga- no holes uh, of problems. They're all yeah, around yeah, us. Yeah. Um, and there's a, a tremendous urgency to deal with those problems from from the impacts of climate change that we're already seeing to the kinds of devastation that will last for centuries from the kinds of chemicals that they're using mm. to frack these gases and the consumption of water and the contamination of that water. But on the other side, because I know this uh, podcast is, wouldn't it be cool? And mm. is there, there are as probably, I don't know, for all the problems, there's dozens more solutions right. at the grassroots level, which right. is why we're so so passionate about the grassroots. And it really comes down to um, repowering people and helping people. We've, we've really um, become so corporatized. I don't think that's a word, but I'm going to use it anyway. No, I like it. It's good. Um, <laughs> that uh, I think that makes us feel powerless and um, oh but, yeah, yeah. Particularly yeah, yeah. with the kinds of information that's the you know the media and the way information travels, it also can be disempowering because yes, there's information that we think will enlighten us, but it also becomes so much it's hard to weed through. Oh yeah. And what are the facts? Heavy. It's heavy, but it's yeah. also what's the source, right? Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so looking at the different ways that we as citizens in a democracy, and a democracy means that we should have a voice. Each mm. of us has a voice can come together and find these solutions and learn from one another and replicate them. Um, that's where the power is, and that's where the power always has been, from the civil rights movement. You know, Name your positive change, your yeah. positive social change. It started at the grassroots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it started with one person. It's the other classic. Yeah. yeah. yeah where it just started yeah. with someone just being that upset. Yeah, and taking action. Yeah. A lot of us are upset. No, yeah, yes, yes, good. It's the action part. That, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But back to, um, you know, we, we look at, there's there's kind of four types of local organizing, grassroots organizing in, in the major categories that I think are, are necessary. And there's different ways to look at movement building, but, and that is uh, t- that, and, and often there's a bit of tension between these different approaches. Like, I'm doing it this way. I think it's more important to mm. fight the, the man. Yeah, yeah. And over here is a group saying, we feel like we need to come at it from a much more positive approach. And I think they're all necessary. And yeah, the yeah. four categories being um, reform, resist, recreate, and reimagine. Right. And if you don't have those four P, we need the resistance. Right. You know, when something, when there is an injustice, we need to fight that injustice. Yeah, we, need, we need the fighters. We need the picketers. We need yeah. the, the angry yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and we need the reformers that perhaps can do it before we get to that point. Um, we need those recreators 
to reformers seem like they need a lot of support. Oh, they all that's do. That's the huge. Yeah, that's the, yeah. That's the trick is to con- you know when it hasn't happened yet to convince. Well, yeah. you know, like I've thought this through. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't, don't don't think through. Yeah. 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 But I think it's so critical that we're we're waking up. Yeah. It's all connected. Um, and the decisions that I make, you know, whether I'm going to get that fancy new cell phone, even though my, my cell phone is, is still working, mm-hmm. there's a lot of impact in that cell phone, oh, I know. where the materials are coming from, how is the waste being handled? How is it being transported and the environmental costs of that? And, you know, we're in particularly here, you and I are sitting on this beautiful day in, uh, Southeast New Hampshire, and we're going to be insulated for a while from these impacts. Although, we, we're already facing the vector-borne diseases, the, the ticks. Yeah. You know, my son had chronic Lyme disease and was really ill. Mm, I had a tick on me today. Bad news, it was, man. It was. I had one. Yeah. It wasn't. It was on my shoe. Yeah. But it was Well, that's there. good. Yeah. But, they, yeah, they didn't get killed off this winter. So, yeah. So, um, yeah. But it's the coming back to that equity issue and, 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 and justice is, unfortunately, the people who are using the least resources and have the least resources, the most marginalized communities across the world are the ones that are already feeling the heaviest impacts of climate change and will and are. Mm. You know, we, they talk about climate refugees. That's a real thing. Yeah. You know, not just from rising waters, but from drought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, for, yeah. and... Um, but there's a town in Texas that's already out of water. Sure. And they're out of water and, and they're, mm-hmm. the, you know, the irony was, well, how are we going to give our cattle water? Right. Like, well, for beef. Yeah, right. exactly. Well, yes. I'm pretty sure your cattle are the ones that significantly led to this problem. But Yeah, yeah. And then we, you know, this all ties back. One of the leading voices for climate change action was the Pentagon in the United mm. States, even a decade ago. Yeah. And they warned their gov- our government that that climate change was going to be the leading destabilizing factor in the world. Yeah. Leading to things like terrorism. Right, right, right. Because... Yeah. Oh, there'd be wars over water. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And and we're seeing it, you know, the immigrant, um, the refugee situation that we're seeing in the Middle East now can't directly be linked to any one thing. Um, there are factors even of climate change now in that that we could track back to, you know, that causes sort of this rolling unrest. But that one way or the other, when you start seeing unrest around lack of resources, it starts making, you know, causing those kinds of issues. So do you think, am I correct in my, um, my uh, intuition that, uh, the reason that fighting climate change is such a problem in government, Mm because there are politicians that are saying it's doesn't even exist, Exist, right? It doesn't exist. It's it's crazy, crazy, Mm -hmm. but it's money. Of course, it's money. right. It's, it's money. so bound to the fossil fuel industry. Yeah, and they um, and you know, and they they gen they like look you in the eye mm-hmm. and they say, "What do you like? No, yeah, what you're seeing isn't real." And uh, and and no, it has nothing to do with money. Right. Well, there's plenty of documentation that for for decades of meetings that happened where they made plans for how to to to. Uh, you know, keep this down, that they knew climate change was happening and it was yeah. human-induced is the, the terminology. Um, but, and, and that's all very real, and all of our industries are com- contributing to climate change, yeah. not just the fossil fuel. I mean, the, the problem with, with fossil fuel is we're extracting carbon 
essentially out of the earth, and then we're burning it and sending and giving off the greenhouse gases. And and carbon dioxide is only one of the greenhouse right. gases. But you know, you, you I know you're very passionate about agricultural issues, yeah, yeah, yeah. and methane is the most powerful greenhouse gas there is. Methane coming out of everything from uh, our landfills with yeah. the with the um, rotting of of food waste to the burping and farting of cows yeah. is a huge source of methane. Um, and so, yes, those are those are all factors. But and we have to do a whole lot with industry. And there are some companies that are really stepping forward and doing some really great work. But it also is a very big risk that it makes us feel like we're off the hook because we're pointing at industry as a problem. We drive a hundred percent of industry. Yeah, it's oh, our day to day decisions. How did you get here today, Chris? Yeah, exactly. I got here in an automobile, also. You know, yeah. and we. But we can make choices. Yeah, there's three people in the room and there's three, three cars, cars in the driveway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we make those daily decisions. And that's one of the things that um, I, you know, in, in addition to the movement building of, of grassroots groups and that kind of power at a very local level or when groups come together and work on an issue together, but also the role of the individual. None of us are off the hook. We, mm. we are also very bound up in this. And thinking about our day-to-day actions, how can we be living lighter? How can we be recognizing the very privilege that we have is creating an imbalance? I mean, the United States uses roughly 20, 25% of the world's resources. We are not even close to 25% of the world's population. That's disgusting. Yeah. You know, and it's embarrassing. It is. And so there's so much we can be doing and we can't, we can't compartmentalize it. Yeah, that it was that. Those are the thoughts around like my decision to to go vegan mm. was kind of around that. You know, I mean, as we all well, maybe not all know, but like food is such a passionate thing with people. And so when I went vegan, I genuinely had people upset with me, like genuinely yeah. mad at me. And um, one guy in particular told me, you know after going back and forth, you know, of course, when I came out, I came out of the gate all strong and angry vegan. But, um, he, you know, he, he finally said, well, fine. Why don't you go live off grid? Yeah. You know, go do all like, if you're, if you think you're so perfect being vegan, then, you know, then I'll point out all the other flaws, you know? And it was like, well, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that I'm perfect and I'm not suggesting that this is the only answer, Mm -hmm. but it was like, it was a thing that I found that I could do that I thought had pretty significant impact Mm. as one person. Absolutely. You know, um, versus, you know, then when you, and it is sort of an easy one, it is like an easy one, you know, especially, uh, like where we live now, like it it would be, it's hard, not impossible though. And I'm actually giving it some thought. I bet you um, are. By, but by, by happenstance, like my car just died and I Mm. need to put all this money into it. I'm like, eh, or should I just get back on my bike? You know what I mean? I mean, I lived... I was an adult without a car. Yeah. Like I lived in Boston and just like rode my sure. bike everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. I didn't even have a license till I was young, early 20s. Right. And so, you know, I'm actually like thinking about that now. It's like, mm. that would actually be pretty cool. Be cool. It'd be damn hard to carry a sheet of plywood. It's very I hard. I want to see that. Materials would be very hard to get to the job. <laughs> um, luckily, that's not part of my job description. But yeah, you know, well, then that's an interesting, that's an interesting topic because then it's like, okay, well then, so now how am I burdening other people? Mm-hmm. Right. You right, know what I mean? Like, right. okay. And that's, that's just has to do with geographics. Like, yeah. that's what I mean by it. some stuff is just, it's hard. Like you Absolutely. want to, but how do I live in Seacoast, New Hampshire and ride a bike everywhere? Right. When every, I mean, 
Well, the winters are getting lighter, so that's that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's gonna help. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but I mean, everything's just too far away, and yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think this is getting at a couple things. Um, and I, I'm the same. I, my husband and I built our house, and we built it out in the boonies. Mm. You know, I'm an introvert. I grew up on top of of a mountain in northern New Hampshire. I like space. Yeah. It is not. It's not a sustainable way to live. If everybody lived out where where I live, um, and we have an energy efficient house and mm. have renewables, but still, I have to drive or ride a bike everywhere I go. And oh, when where could you ride a bike to? And you can't. with any, you know, exactly, like... exactly. And so now I would make a very different decision. It doesn't help to sell out my house to somebody else, so they live that same footprint. Right, right, you right. know, that, that's a whole thing of when you sell your vehicle. Some or a, right. an old behemoth refrigerator, and somebody else uses it. It's not solving the problem, <laughs> but um, is getting back to that issue of making conscious decisions. And as you say, it doesn't have to be hard, and you make them one after another, and you keep going. Yeah, yeah. But when we, it's it's there's been a lot of research on why uh, Americans particularly have not made more progress on climate change. Why do we still have such a ridiculously large number of Americans claiming they don't either believe in climate change or that it's human-induced, which is, it, it's the absurdity. I don't even get into the debate anymore with people, yeah, actually. I used yeah, to do a lot of public talks about it. I don't need to, I don't, my dad called it arguing with drunks. I don't need <laughs> to argue with drunk. And it comes down to, I like to use the analogy, you can tell me you don't believe in climate change. It's going to come and get you anyway. Yeah. It's like saying you're just diagnosed with cancer. It's a very well-known cancer. I don't believe in cancer. I don't believe in cancer. <laughs> okay, well, that's good for you. Yeah. But, you know, you have cancer, and 99.9% of the world's physicians think it's cancer and think you have it and think it's going to make you ill. Yeah, you kill can you unless you don't kill you. face it. But, what ha- but with, coming back to the psychology is... Uh, climate change and re- you know the the related issues around uh, the changes and those pull in everything, you know from the social justice issues to transportation to ag- how we do our agriculture. Mm-hmm. Really, climate change is the big the big um, basket. Everything is connected to. Uh, it is a perfect storm if you um, if you um, don't mind the overused metaphor. Yeah. Because everything you know any other issue area picket you know smoking cessation obesity war um Mm -hmm. cessation they're a fair they're tricky they're tough they're intractable but it's kind of one road that you need to deal with Uh, but climate change and what we need to do to address it because we're also now rolling really fast and things are picking Mm -hmm. up speed much faster than even scientists thought is related to everything we do right it's how you know it's plastics it's you know how we make things it's how we move ourselves around it's how we interact socially and it also gets to the personal yeah and your comment about your friend and how he reacted when you became a vegan yeah it's very common it's change is threatening and it's right exactly he felt real threatened and i felt threatened by you know change in my own you know in other issues and so what we're fundamentally asking people to do is live simpler lives yeah. and also um, to st- stop using the resources that they're using and the comforts. And we've yeah. come to Just such a comfortable thought. place. Give some thought. It's appropriate that it's so tricky um, and that it has so many facets to it because it is mm-hmm. also enormous. It's enormous. It, it, re- it affects every single human on the planet. So. Yeah. It, it's appropriate that there's so many sort of facets to it and then it touches everything and that it's 
you know, um, uh, that much harder than everything else as well, because yeah. it is, it is that yeah. big. So I'm, I'm uh, Debbie Downer. I feel like I'm, I'm the person at the party. Nobody wants to know. <laughs> yeah. Right. So what do you do? You're like, Oh, <laughs> I let everyone know how bad it is. <laughs> And just uh, for anybody listening who might run into me at a party, I don't like talking about work at parties. <laughs> yeah, really, I can be fun. I like to be around fun yes. people. Yes, I'll take another drink. Love music. Yeah, I, I'm all for that. But um, so being that I, I'm conscious of being a Debbie Downer, I want to give some really concrete examples of some of our grantee groups and the kind of work mm. that's being done. Um, because as uh, the word I use, as intractable as these problems seem and may ultimately be, um, there are some brilliant, absolutely poetic solutions yeah, that I weave bet. in so much. I mean, I've seen some. I've seen some of them, and it is just like, oh my god, that's awesome! Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So why is yeah. it's too bad? Uh, GE isn't behind it. It's too bad Kellogg's isn't behind it. it. You know, like I don't think that's where the solutions are going to come from, Chris. Well, it's no, come no. From us. But the potential for yeah. the support is there. Yeah, the solutions are going to yeah. can come from anywhere. Yeah. They can come yeah. from anywhere, and and but it's they getting it's getting the money behind it. It's getting sometimes, the, yeah, yeah, and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, our grants program is small right now. Our biggest grant is thirty five hundred dollars. Yeah. Well, I think the when I'm saying money, I'm kind of implying yeah. that it needs to be shown yeah. that instead of your right. gigantic money source coming from this yeah. horrible thing, how about yeah. we just make a couple changes yeah. here and you can still be happy, buddy. Yeah. yeah. But you're gonna but but you're gonna save the world. Yeah. How about that? Well, and there's um, we haven't gotten into economics because yeah. the economics around um, what we're talking about are really pretty uh, both humbling and and there are people far smarter than I looking at these issues. But um, I've heard the two economic it's kind of minimizing it into two economic models. We're living in an extractive mm-hmm. economic model right now, and with the myth of limitless growth, right. which is an absolute myth. I don't care what school of economics you go to, but we're living on a planet with finite resources. Mm-hmm. It is impossible f- to have unlimited growth. So we're basically building on a system that is entirely flawed. And the stock market is an example of starting to see that flaw. Mm-hmm. And when we start looking at the the well of natural resources like silver or any of our commodities, they actually have charts that are really pretty daunting of when we're done, when right. we're, we're, you know, except for the hardest to reach resources. The alternative to the extractive economy is called the regenerative economy. Mm. And it works. And there, you know, it's, it's, this is not what Wall Street is looking at. This yeah, is yeah. how would you build Wall Street on a regenerative economy? Mm. But regenerative economies value things differently. They value human health. They value people of all colors and persuasions mm. and, you know, and backgrounds. And they value nature and the resources that we have on the planet and that there are ways to build systems and businesses that make money and the way we can live comfortably on services, on yeah. things that put back into, yeah. into our economy. So giving one of those, a couple of those examples, we have a grantee group in Worcester, Mass. And Worcester is a, you know, economically very challenged yeah, yeah. Uh, community. Yeah. And they have uh, a number of homeless shelters because it's a you know challenged community, and as you can imagine, homeless shelters are always struggling for resources to give enough beds and food to people who really need it. 
they don't have a lot of extra time to be doing things like thinking about their energy efficiency or that right, behemoth right. boiler in the basement. Right, yeah. But that behemoth boiler is belching out and wasting right. their dollars, and the dollars are almost visibly being seen going out the windows <laughs> as they heat the building in the winter in, in cold Massachusetts. Because they got this building... Right, Give donated. Them to them or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, And so there is a volunteer group in Worcester that goes into the homeless shelters and does these basic energy assessments and gen, you know basic yeah, like retrofits. Yeah. yeah, and you know will make a, help them make a plan and look at the the boiler, for instance, so that when the boiler does die, they're ready for making a, a change. Mm-hmm. And those are all volunteers. They're obviously people with some skills. Imagine if every community that had wouldn't a homeless it cool? sh- wouldn't it be cool if there was a citizen group like that yeah. and they can ask that group for advice on how to get going um we have another amazing grantee group they're actually too too big for our grants program now but have um helped uh germinate a number of other ones called the boston area gleaners and boston area glean do you know what gleaning is uh, only I glean information. I'm gleaning and, right now. Exactly. And yeah. that actually comes from agriculture. Mm-hmm. Gleaning was the process to go out into the fields after they tilled through the or, or cultivated through and, and t- extracted the carrots, mm-hmm. right? Got the carrots out. There's a quite a bit, particularly now in modern agriculture, there's a lot of food left behind. Mm. It's the carrots that are the, the oh, two yes, legs. Oh, yeah, yeah, the it's, ugly, it's the ugly the food. The ugly food, yeah. or it just wasn't found with the processing equipment that goes through and takes, takes um, the quick pass through. So gleaners are people that go into the field, and they've been around since, you know, agriculture started, why we have the word in our, in yeah, our lexicon. Yeah. And gleaners go out into the fields with a, with a um, relationship with the farmers. It's good for the farmers. And they gather up this produce that is entirely edible. And mm. I can't quote the numbers, but we're talking thousands and thousands of pounds yeah. of good produce. And so it helps the farmer. They have volunteers coming in to do that. And those and that produce then goes to um, people in need, you know, homeless shelters and food pantries. So they're not getting their canned peas. They're getting yeah, fresh, fresh peas out of the food. field. And those gleaning groups are all over New England. There's mm. a there's a couple of gleaning groups I know of that are working with um, with um, prisons and and um, and oh, good idea. Yeah, prison systems, and not only teaching skills to do that, but then getting fresh fr- food there. Um, so there's some amazing projects going on. That's it's not rocket science. It's yeah, yeah, reweaving yeah. the social fabric yeah. of our communities. Yeah, that's one of my biggest. Sort of, uh, you know, thoughts in the back of my head is, you know, I, I get it. It all needs to be re rethought, but where, who's going to do it? Like, we're doing it, Chris. Yeah, how we have to gonna... get off our asses and do it. I know. And then, how do we reach? You know, yeah. Let everyone know that it's happening and tell them how they can help. And I mean, that, that's one of the things I think is cool about podcasting in general. Mm-hmm. Is it just you know, you now get to meet potentially a million people get to meet you and and yeah you know so um because that's one of the biggest it's going to be that's my you know the wouldn't it be cool thing is mm-hmm. eventually reaching young people and 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 getting young people to kind of re re being retaught i guess you know to because they're not going to they don't need to reimagine rethink because they're still forming so yeah. it's like being retaught um by uh, teachers parents mentors that have rethought and you know encourage them to come up with a new solution come up with a solution a new economy is going to be a big one yeah and we have to listen to them yeah 
You know, I think that it's easy to minimize what youth are bringing forward in their opinions and their mm-hmm. thoughts. And um, last night we we had a bunch of uh, six, 15, 16, 17-year-olds. Our, both our kids mm-hmm. were there, mm-hmm. Chris. And yeah. I just sometimes will, I feed them. I love feeding them. Yeah. So I'm working in the kitchen and, and it doesn't seem like it matters how much food I put out. They <laughs> consume it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I love doing that because it puts me around them. Yeah. And I just listen to them and they have it figured out. Oh, man. They really do. Uh-huh. They don't necessarily know exactly what to do. And we all know that you can be quite passionate when you're young and not realize that you have to perhaps go slow to go fast. But yeah, it's, it's like what I, I try to, um, obviously, you know, that's a big passion of mine is like kids and I mm-hmm. like to, and I feel like I connect with them and, and, um, and I find that you get a lot of success teaching them by letting them know you respect them. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and, uh, and giving them kind of like confidence and giving mm-hmm. them the wherewithal, but it's, there's, there's a, um, in that there's an approach to doing mm-hmm. that, you know, and I feel like I have this approach where, um, let them know, um, sorry, I just lost my train of thought for a second. Show them uh, respect. No, dang it. Well, it'll come back. It will come back. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I think we have to guard from particularly impassioned people like ourselves included is guard ourselves from complacency. I know what it was. You got it? I know I, what I it was. I was covering for you. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, it's that... It's it's that while you're young, you know you you like I have mad respect for young people, and I re- like you know your son in particular, my daughter. They're both like you know just bright kids, and they have a lot of energy, and they have a lot of power, and they're super mm-hmm. smart. And so you respect everything they say, and you build this trust. That's my big thing with mm-hmm. kids is trust. Yeah. Like I trust you, you trust me, but it's also mm-hmm. like trusting my motivation. So that's my big thing in mm-hmm. parenting and mentoring, and mm-hmm. um, is you trust my motivation because I right. let you know who I am. I don't hide from my kids, from your kid, who yeah. I am, what my background is, you know, where I've been, been there, done that. And so they just, they know where I'm coming from. So they trust my motivation. So it's never, the reality is it's never because I told you so, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but there's always kind of a caveat to that. And this is like, we were, we were just sort of touching on it where it's like, you do know a lot, but you still can learn. Mm. You know, like there's, there's still a lot to be said for life experience. And if we have this trust, yeah. then you'll hear me right? and you'll, and you, that will, that will settle and that mm-hmm. will, that will sit in. And that's, I found it to be huge, huge mm-hmm. with my kids, huge. Mm-hmm. I get like mm-hmm. tremendous success with my kids in terms of trusting that, you know, the situations they're in and, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, if they're out or something and, and everyone knows that that kid smokes pot mm. and everyone knows that kid's drinking and everything. Mm. But so, so now Bella will tell me that mm-hmm. and I'll know, mm-hmm. not that I can't tell already, but, um, <laughs> you know, she'll, she'll tell me who's yeah. doing what. So then I can say, okay, then, you know, perhaps you should go hang out with Nick. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, perhaps it's, or even like, you know, it's not necessarily that the kid's always a bad kid. I know you know this, but, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's um, it's just it gives me the opportunity to literally direct, mm. to literally yeah. be like, don't get in the car, mm. yeah, don't you know, don't get influenced, don't do this, and <sighs> and again, she trusts my motivation, mm. so she trusts that mm-hmm. she's okay, yeah, you know, as opposed to fighting like, yeah. well, you don't know what you're talking about, yeah, I never ever 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 yeah. get that from them because of that. Well, I you know, some people call. Um, I like to term active listening. 
And mm-hmm. I think we are so conditioned, to, and myself included, to not be active listeners because mm-hmm. an active listener isn't, I'm not thinking, and I actually am now because I don't want dead air, but when somebody's talking, you know, really engage, if you want to really engage with them, you shouldn't be thinking about the next thing that yeah, you yeah, want to yeah. say to jump in. And it's hard yeah. when you're really passionate about something too. Yeah. But active listening is that I'm, I'm here, I'm right in the moment. Mm-hmm. And when you pause, there can be silence and we come in. <clears throat> We're not teaching that in school. We're not. Oh God, no. We are not. We're not honoring that in our most of our social settings, and in school, um, I think that for the most part, there's definitely exceptions to that with uh, with different teachers. But yeah, um, we're still seeing youth and adults taught at, and that um, their opinions are not being mm. solicited as effectively, and creating that space of shared learning and that active listening. And I think that that comes, that's so critical in what we're talking about here, because when we're talking about local action and and people digging in in a community and in a, in a perfect world, it would be people of all colors and all backgrounds coming together to work on, you know, in that kind of solidarity together. But in order to do that, we need to enter these spaces with these kinds of very different backgrounds. You know, if my, if my country kids are going to work in Worcester, Massachusetts, they're going to need to really learn and listen and be present and not bring their experiences there to solve that problem. And so right. how can we... So yeah, we, that's that active listening. It's that's, the active listening yeah. and, and recognizing that we all come with so much baggage yeah. and there's value and there's dangers in that. And um, and that we need to... If, if we were doing this right, and this gets back to fitness, I love the the thinking that... You know, if if I'm trying to lose weight and I keep trying to do the same things I've been doing, mm. it's not going to work. It's going to have to feel different. Mm. So if we're going to get ourselves out of the 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 economic, the social, the environmental, right, you know, travesties that be, we're in right now, stay status quo. It, we're going to have to be doing something different. Yeah. And I think, sadly, I really don't want to go down the road of politics right now on this. Mm. Although I know you and I are coming from the same place, but yeah. sadly, I see that you know we have a breakdown of civic discourse and 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 conversation and a de-intellectualizing you know that that having conversations about these issues um in a respectful way is something that is 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 frowned on and made fun of right now yeah yeah. and that's exactly what we need to be doing in these communities and and with young people and with young people i mean i think as as important as anything with young people because they're the ones that are coming up and they're the ones that need to 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 be able to yes and i think also is uh those with the most privilege need to shut up Mm. and the people with the most to lose and the least least resources are the ones that we're listening to yeah you know flint michigan is a perfect example of that and um you know that would have never happened in uh uh, Old Sabre, Connecticut, or right. Greenwich, Connecticut. Right. You know, if we can argue and argue until you know the cows come home, as my my uh, mom used to say, but that was an issue. Of, that is a rich issue of race and where we're placing our landfills and where we're putting our pipelines. Right, isn't is a uh, equity issue that's going on with uh, GMOs too? Oh yeah, that's going on. They're they're putting these fields, you know, near like. Mm-hmm. Poor neighborhoods and mm-hmm. schools, oddly enough. Yeah, uh, fracking is happening right, right on school grounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy talk. Yeah, but the solutions are there, man. Yeah, 
I actually was talking to Nick, your boy, recently, yeah. and because uh, Nick is a very passionate um, uh, activist, is his is his deal. He wants to. Mm. I asked him what he wanted to do. He wanted to be a professional activist. Yeah, you know? and, I'm not uh, expecting him to buy me a second home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of the things we talked about. Um, and uh, but it was kind of a, it was it was sort of a cool conversation where I you know I said. Um, I said, that's awesome. Like, it's sort of what we were talking about before. Like, we need mm. the fighters. We do. Yeah. We need you guys. We need the, you know, we need the million faces walking down the street in New York holding signs. We definitely mm. need that. And that takes a million people. Um, but I, but just knowing who Nick is and knowing how much potential Nick has, it was, it was, um, I was trying to get him to, to think bigger, faster, which mm. might be one of my enemies. Um, he, he is young and he does need to get some life experience and, and go through these things, but I was trying to get him to think more about um, having a bigger impact. You know, it's cool to be that one kid with a sign, and we need that, and that is a huge impact, mm-hmm. a million faces. But um, someone like Nick could, I, I was actually trying to get him to be a public speaker. Oh, yeah. Yeah, on these things, you know, yeah, like like yeah. a young man still yeah. in high school. Testifying. Um, Testifying, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It could be very, very powerful. I think he's getting there. Yeah, I do too, yeah. and I and I think he'd be very good at it. Yeah, and he would bring his passion, and he would and he would bring a lot of information. He would just he would just be such a loud voice, being young and doing something like that. And I just you know it might be a bigger bang for the buck. That was a, that was what I was trying to get yeah. across. Yeah, and uh, he said, "Yeah, I'll think about it." Yeah, that's <laughs> excellent. Yeah, but we need lots of them. Yeah, and. Uh, not not just the kids that can do it because they are they have the resources and you know the background to feel like they have the space to do that yeah too yeah you know yeah there was another where that's it reminded me when you said uh, a whole bunch of things touched on this and slightly off subject but I was talking to a, a young man who was telling me about these kids that were um, uh, two young boys in local town here mm. who were very very good at basketball yeah apparently they're just like these little gifted kids yeah. but they're like yeah. you know fifth and sixth grade wow. or something yeah and they live kind of in the um uh in the um low-income housing yeah you know so yeah. we'll all certainly immediately make assumptions right and yeah. um and uh, about a lot of different aspects of, you know, what, what comes with that. But um, it was one of these, you know, he, this, first of all, he was a great young man where he, he does not come from low income to say the least. And, but he really, he, these kids for some reason were, you know, he was like, you know, they're so good. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, but he, di- he didn't see them getting any encouragement. Mm-hmm. He didn't see them getting any support to do something with it. And so he was fearing that they were just going to get lost right, right. and not, and, and then go down a different road. Mm-hmm. Right. So he, he said something about, um, he, 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 uh, he alluded to, he made them a promise that he would help. Cause he kind of came back to that. Like I told them I would help, mm-hmm. but he wanted to help them like do something, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it was kind of, and, and I started thinking the same thing. I was like, Oh, that'd be cool. That would yeah. be cool. You know, yeah. just like reach out to a couple of kids, yeah. but you get into that. Who are you? Yeah. Who are you to help? To, to and, solve, trying to solve the problems. Yeah. You yeah. Know, but you, but you, but from a genuine heart, you just go, just trying to help. There's yeah. Two kids. Who yeah. knows where that goes? And yeah. what might come from that 
is not um, that they go on and become professional basketball players and just become rich. Right. What could come from that is, oh, someone reached out to me mm. and helped me. Somebody cared. Someone cared. And they just became good people. Not that they're right. not already. You know what I mean? They just, yeah. they just went down that path instead of that path. And, uh, and then they might do it. And then they might do it. And then they might do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think also asking the questions, not coming in and saying what, what we think somebody needs mm. or what a community needs, mm. but asking the question. And I, you know, I struggle with this in the best way. When, yeah. you, when you do have a saver complex like I do, mm. you know, what it, what's the best way to authentically be in solidarity, be in alignment and not there to, you know, in the traditional sense of help. And we you, can, think, you think that's what the, uh, the government is? The problem there is like, hey, we don't need help. Who are you to help, <laughs> who are you to help us? I'm like, oh, we're the citizens. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. voted. <laughs> yeah, well, we're, we did vote, didn't we? Yeah. The people in, in our positions of power are there because we voted for yeah, them. Yeah, but that's such a slippery slope. Oh, it is. It really is. It's like, yeah, we voted, but what were our choices? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, again, back to this is the perfect climate to talk about that right now. Like, yeah. what are our choices? Do you watch Game of Thrones? I don't, but everybody keeps saying that and yeah. seeing really seeming very flummoxed that I don't. So maybe I should. <laughs> you, well, yes, you should. But they, they have obviously it's all character driven. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and someone just put up the perfect Facebook meme yeah. about comparing four of the candidates to four of the characters. Oh. And it was just like. It was know, perfect. Oh, it was I, perfect. I it was yeah. like, you know, the ice queen. Yeah. I, well, I can the, figure that one out. Yeah. And the, and the total piece of shit. <laughs> the troll. <laughs> yeah. That just hates, you know, that just loves seeing violence. Yeah. Huh, who's that? It was really, yeah. It was, <laughs> it was perfect. Yeah. Oh yeah, and yeah. then and then there was the uh, there's there's um there's this group in the in the uh, show where they're you, you almost never see them. You don't see them a lot, but they're the looming super dark danger, and yeah. that was Cruz because uh-huh. it's just yeah. like this like it's not as big a personality it's yeah. not as present but it's really dark really dark so who you, who represented Bur- burn um, it was um uh who was it or what was the character type because i won't know the character i know oh shoot who was it it was um oh it was it was uh, actually it was a female it was uh-huh. the, it was the, it was sort of the uh the female who is who's um very separate from everything else geographically mm-hmm. in the show. Mm-hmm. And she is, she goes around freeing slaves, you know, fleeing, freeing these groups that are enslaved uh-huh. yeah. by, by their, yeah. by their little culture. And uh, so she's sort of the hero. And she also has like super silver hair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She has, um, Oh, I only saw Ron just handed me the meme. Um, I only saw four of them. But oh, there's an okay. image for it. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and then she also has like, um, uh, I think as they put it, like great white hair, like, like Bernie does. Excellent. Yeah. Um, so um, I was curious, like specifically, what do you do there? I was curious about that. Yeah. So um, I direct the organization. So I took over as uh, executive director from the founder um, um, about a year and a half ago. And so as most... Uh, all nonprofits have to have a, whatever they call the individual, often an executive director, 
um, leads the organization. I have a board of directors, which is also a, um, a legal structure that for any nonprofit. Mm. We have a great board of directors. We also, um, another unique element of our work as a grant maker, because there's a whole lot of privilege in philanthropy. You know, mm-hmm. where did all the money come from mm-hmm. that fuels philanthropy and, and being honest and clear about that? And yeah. ultimately, it can be tracked back to extraction once again. Right. And how are decisions made about how philanthropic dollars, how grants are given out? And so the organization in great brilliance long before I came along um, set up a, a very diverse and um, activist based grant making committee. So we have um, sort of a second board in a way. They're not, they don't direct the organization, but they help in the grant-making decisions. So staff reviews the grant applications that come in, and then we run them by the grant-making committee, and we, um, we bring in grant uh, volunteers to be on that committee from across New England. From you know, We have a great diversity matrix that we use for mm. both, of our, both our board and our grant-making committee, and that's all types of diversity from skill sets to... You yeah. know, to gender and, and down the line. Um, so we have that group as well. So I'm, you know, in my day to day, I'm working with the board and, you know, making sure because the board is my oversight, that's my boss. And they're making mm. sure that the organization is operating fiscally responsibly and, and really doing what they say. True to the mission. True to the mission yeah. and true to the dollars that are um, given to us in trust. And um, work with the grant making committee that my staff does a lot of that. We have a great staff where we're fairly small. We're four going up to five, and we have an office. That's all that are in there? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. We work really hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say you're mostly women. Uh, we are three women and a man, and we're hiring right now in Boston. We're going to have a Boston office. Oh, cool. Yep. 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 But um, so gender balance is important to us as well. But uh, three and one. Yes. Yeah. There we go. We, we want to balance <laughs> that. balance. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I think you're uh, on to it because I, I mean, Women are better than men. Simple as that. <laughs> I can't comment on that. <laughs> I, I but mean, you they, see my facial expression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I feel like they work super hard. Yeah. And well, super we have orga- a, typically super, super yeah, organized. Yeah. You know, yeah. compassionate. Yeah. But we, yeah, we have a great... can't be those things, but... Yeah. Yeah, we have a great staff. We have an office in Burlington um, as well, and... Um, I do a lot of fundraising, so you ask what I do day to day. So um, we are supported by over 30 grants a year, and mm. each of those grants needs a proposal mm. and a report, and mm-hmm. sometimes an interim report, yep. and a renewal uh, if they invite us back. Um, and then we do individual donor cultivation too, and that's really making sure people know what we're doing. And um, we're thinking about how we can expand that because we've been about 98% supported by foundations. And we really want to, just as we're about the grassroots and spreading this, you know, the support and spreading the movement, it's important to also spread the support for the, the, the organization because ultimately yeah. that's how we're really the only game in town for many of these groups, the only source of, of funding, yeah. albeit small grants. Um, what is a small grant? Uh the minimum is $500. So groups will come in and sometimes we have great examples of where 500 or a thousand dollars catalyze something huge. It Mm. might've been, um, we'll, we fund some land conservation projects. So it might've been to do education and flyers in the community 
so to preserve some mm. land along a pond or something, and then it, to down introduce the road, a project exactly, right, and down the right. road it ended up in some sort of a multi-million dollar oh, land conservation deal. Isn't that funny? That's cool. Yeah, and so groups sometimes you know so they don't all move on, and, and it's not necessary. And we've had that's groups. cool that such a little thing would even hear about you guys. Yeah, well, that's I was going to say the other part of my work and all the staff is really making sure we're known, and yeah. we it, we have a bit of a mixed blessing of we want to be behind our groups it's not about us it's about what they're doing but that also is a communications nightmare because then people don't find out about you so we've really been working hard um, for the last year or so and getting out into communities more making sure partner organizations everything from planning commissions to town offices to other nonprofits to social service agencies know what we're what we're doing and that we have a grants program we do a lot of trainings as well we bring groups together um, we bring in professional trainers to do everything from kind of some of these the this inner work on, on race and class. We have mm. some great trainers working on that to um, fundraising for grassroots groups, um, taking care of self and um, and your kind of spiritual whatever that means to you, your your center because it's easy to burn out in this work and yeah. get really frustrated. Um, so I, I broached that a little bit with Nick in that conversation. Yeah, like a lot of people get burned out when you're. And that doesn't help Working, anyone. working, working, and, it, and it's really, you know, uh, you get real pessimistic, it gets yeah. real dark, you make no money, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like, oh, yeah. why am I doing this? No one's no one's on board anyway. Yeah, well, it's not a super lucrative field, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's why people are in this field. Yeah, yeah so I, uh, I stand at a desk a lot, and yeah. I'm on the phone a lot. We run a lot of, um, partly to reduce transportation emissions, we run a lot of webinars, either trainings or um, our calls. So I was, whenever I was possible. sort of toying with that in my head, like, how do you guys? Because if you're, you seem to have this, um, like every company would. You have, you know, I got to do that report here. I got to do a report there. I got to do another report and a lot of paperwork. Oh, I, would yeah. as, I would assume most of it's email versus yeah. paper because yeah. you'd be mindful of stuff like that. We are, but sometimes we don't have a choice. Yeah, <laughs> we we thought we were going to get off the paper with the whole electronic thing, but I think yeah. everybody just prints it out anyway but uh yeah so we try to do a lot electronically and um we've done and some of our partners doing great stuff with video conferencing and mm. and trainings and that's great too because a lot of our most of our groups it's all volunteer and so to haul them somewhere and, and have them traveling is is not um tenable or or realistic or even possible yeah. Yeah. um and we're really looking now at how what we're inherently doing they um Call it, can call it intrinsic biases. What what are we doing as an organization and as individuals that is off-putting, that is um, making people from different diverse backgrounds feel like they're not included? And that could be language barriers. Yeah. You know, we, we recognize our, our website and our materials are only in English still. Yeah. Um, of course, you can translate them, but then you have to be able to receive and have translators on staff or, or ready for, for that. Or, for instance, we talk a lot about our trainings. If, if I'm a single parent and I'm working two jobs and I'm barely keeping it together, I don't have time to go to a training. Or right. I need childcare if I'm going to come to that training. So what are the ways that we're showing up or asking people to show up literally and figuratively mm. that inherently are repellent to peop- the, the very people that we're trying to support and work with? It's kind of like the uh, that's the crux of the of all the stuff you're trying to do too. Absolutely. How do we make saving the world doable? Yeah. And not, you know, a uh, not a an, a nuisance. 
Yeah. Not a burden. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, we gotta weave it in our daily life. Yeah. Yeah. And and embody it and and that's tiring and it takes work. Even if you're passionate about it. So Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, you got a big job. It's good stuff. I can't imagine doing anything else. Yeah. Yeah. So can I um can I give my website so if people want to learn bet more? You can. So we're at the grassrootsfund.org. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of resources there. And the best part of it is um we have a great writer right now that um contracts with us and he's we call him featured stories and he's writing really excellent um well featured stories about some of our grantee groups and some of the really puts it up on the website yeah yeah yeah. and you can sort it you can sort by state you can sort by issue area and um it's really to help inspire and and get people into action because um i'm not a big fan of awareness building because awareness building doesn't is too passive Mm. it's got to be action action it's got to change people's hearts and minds and move them forward Mm. So, um, so there's a lot of th- resources up there, and and also um, we're we're kind of a, a convener. We're the we're the the community green in a way, such that one group could share resources that they might have developed for oh, their community idea. garden project in you know rural Vermont that could be used by a group in Providence, Rhode Island. Good idea. And that kind of it's those we feel like our place is to to support these groups get them together, give them what they need and get out of their way because they know what they're doing. We're right. not the experts. Right, 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 right. So, yeah. That kind of makes it, once you sort of wrap your head around that, that makes it have some, you know, a little easier um, to um, to feel like you can do something because right. you're not trying to do everything. No, That's just do problem. something. Yeah. Yeah. And That's joining a group, it's so powerful. It's such a great experience. What do you mean, joining a group? Being being involved with one of these groups—that's part of it too. You can oh. you can find groups. We have a great map you can search, so you can look. You know what groups are around us here. Mm. So you go to your website and you look, and you can yep. see like who you're helping, yep. who you've given grants to, what yep. they do. Are how they to all, contact them? Yeah, yeah. How to yeah. contact them? Yeah. And then your the website must have things just like tips in general. Oh yeah. Like well, you know, if you are an individual and you want to reduce your footprint you want to help in this way we actually don't do a lot of that hmm. hasn't it's not that effective you'd think it is and there's tons of that on the web on the web it's all done and fine so yeah so no we don't have a lot of that's not really our role some of our groups do but um there's plenty on the web and the the 101 things you can do to, to mm. slow climate change right doesn't work yeah it's too much it overwhelms people um, so and uh, I don't quite understand that, Ron. What's that? <clears throat> I'm just throwing topics out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm always interested in where do I get good data? Data. Yeah, about yeah. so what? like so in other words, if someone was like on the website and and, and found a cause that kind of intrigued them, where could they get the data? Just since we have a knowledgeable guest, where does good data come from? Much of the people that would argue with climate change, for example, mm-hmm. right. would argue that I'm getting biased data. Right. Where does good data come from? Well, it depends on the issue area. So there are a lot of great resources um, out there, and it's hard to narrow that down. Our website, a lot of the groups, what they do is they list their best resources. And so that's a really great source as well. Um, I think that... Do you run into that a lot? People that... Yeah, do you run into people that... 
that kind of uh, push back um, on on a lot of this because there really I, I mean, did. there really are a lot of people that don't oh, believe are. in it. Well, That's I'm insulated crazy. because I'm working with grassroots groups. Yeah. So um, I previously had done a lot of public speaking, and there, yeah, and I I was the person doing two three talks a night all across New England uh, mm. about climate change, and um, we would we would have them quite a bit. It was so where did you get your data? Um, there's a lot of great, um, 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 government sites, believe it or not, mm, yeah, because right. you know, the, the science that's going into that is really excellent. Um, it, if you're talking specifically climate change, um, meteorologists are not a good source of climate information. Uh, yeah. It's very interesting. Um, and you know, it's, you know, I, Why do you say I'm that? actually struggling to answer this because on climate change, we are so far down the road of needing data. Mm. That ship has so, and data, here's the other reason I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about how I want to answer this. Coming back to human nature and what we've learned about shifting um, thinking is data science does not change minds. Right. And, you know, we've known, and it's it, with increasing awareness, because the, for good, true science, they'll never tell you they're 100% on anything. Right. Because that's what science is. Right. You right. always are questioning. We, and, know, we know we're going to learn something different in a year. Right, right. And unfortunately, what they're learning now is that the... Um, we were right. We were right, and it's going much faster than <laughs> yeah. the models. But there are a lot yeah. of excellent climate mi- models out there. But it, the, the science, then the data, is not what shifts yeah. mind. And actually, what we need to do is not worry about the people that are hardcore deniers because they're never going to come around and they're not going to right. be part of a movement of change. Right. What we need to do is talk to the people in the middle. And what's more important than data is peer-to-peer mm-hmm. discussions. Yep. I think probably... And five viable solutions. Viable solutions. Yeah. So you know we have solar panels and we have it mm-hmm. right there prominently right yeah, yeah, come yeah, in. Yeah. And that's partly intentional. Yeah. There's probably at least 10 solar system, photovoltaic systems installed because of our system. And I feel really good about that because people come and they trust us and they believe us. And we tell them the data came from us. We said, well, in five years, we paid this off. And then it's going to be, you know, cooking those electrons, making those electrons for the next, you know, 30, 40 years. Um, So there are a lot of really good sources of data. What's hard is when you're, because of the the whole... uh, the, the the worldwide interwebs, mm. you, know, you don't know what you're getting. Yeah, um, yeah. And That's so, the problem with like searching data. Is I could you know we could pick a, so- a topic and I could exactly. find you ten that support the way I think and yeah. ten support the way yeah. someone else thinks. And, and I, I work in so many dish- different issue areas. Um, being able to tell a source of data for for so many different issue areas is virtually impossible. But um, I think part of it is talking to groups that are doing the work and asking what they find is important, how they're getting their information. Um, so there are some really excellent sources of that kind of information, um, that folks can yeah. get. I think it's the same, you know, I, I believe, um, I talked about this on episode one a little bit about, um, that it's, it's just this enormous problem is the same as like one problem. So, you know, if you wanted to lose weight Mm -hmm. and you came to me to lose weight, you know, I would tell you, I can't motivate you to lose weight. (sighs) I can inspire you through my actions, but I can't motivate you. You need to be in your own level of pain, your own level of discomfort, your own level of unhappiness to motivate your change. And I think that's a global thing. Yeah. When we talk about something like climate change, it's like the, the globe 
is the the hand is going to be forced when we're in a level of uncomfort discomfort, of discomfort yeah. um, that that forces the hand to change. Yeah, unfortunately, due to the science, by the time we're really feeling the impacts, it's going to be late. Yeah, 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 because of the delay in the yeah. in the system, the climate well, system. Well, then you you might even say. Well, yeah. So we can't wait. So the only thing I can say optimistically <laughs> yes. about that is, is you that, forced me to answer it that way. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> but um, it it could be that um, that because I generally feel like my intuition says that the powers that be know it. Mm-hmm. You know that. Oh, like, they know it. It's the wackos that are saying it's not true. Even mm-hmm. in government, you know, it's like the it's like the same or who's senator who's, that's who's paying them, right? And so they're saying it for that reason. So, yeah. so it, so at some point, I'm just like again optimistically, I'm hoping that yeah. even these powers that are just holding on, like heels dug in, because they're still making so mm. much money, that they just kind of that they sort of force the change a little sooner than it's too late, because something else maybe comes along that they can keep making as much money. Yeah, that's yeah. that's 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 like best case scenario for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, the market moving it will will be part of it. Yeah. But we have to also speak with our dollars. Yeah. Just as we should be speaking with votes if we right. had yeah. something to vote for. <laughs> like to vote for. Uh, and some of the voting is local. It's not just the presidential yeah. elections. Yeah, it's yeah. town by town. It's yeah. making decisions about ordinances and where we're citing renewable energy. And yeah, yeah. Those little movements that um, I, was, I was hanging out with a friend and we were talking about, you know, the little town that had had... Um, helped get banning plastic bags. Yeah, we, fu- we gave a grant to uh, a couple of those. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like stuff like that. In York, cool. York, Maine. They yeah. Yeah. right, right, right. Exactly. That yeah. was one of them. And you know, we um, they put in another grant application to us, and and um, they are getting so inundated from towns across the how country in how they yeah, did yeah, it. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, that w- w- you know, it's important to support these kind of local volunteers yeah. who then get inundated because what they're doing is so amazing. Yeah. Um, another group that's ban- banning pla- um, plastic bottles. Yeah. I mean, those decisions have to be made. Or I mean, I'm sh- I'm so surprised Durham doesn't do something like well, that. They should be Durham. This little yeah. like you know, yeah, yeah, liberal little town. That, you know, uh, um, uh, yeah. With a university in it, nothing. Yeah, well, well, they're doing actually. Durham's doing some amazing stuff on yeah. other in other areas, oh, um, and uh, renewables is is one of them. And even um, oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I didn't know that actually. On the review, the planning um, um, board review of of um, of building applications mm-hmm. coming in, building permits, mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. the efficiency of them coming in. Yeah. So they're actually for a leader in some in some areas. But yeah, we um, deal a lot. They, they are big with um, Durham is uh, very big in um, like home efficiency. Yep, is a big one, yep. and they're very protective of wetlands. Yeah, yeah, um, and they're making they, some good headway. And they do they do help. I I, I can't speak to it too intelligently about um, helping homeowners with solar. Right. Like we just yeah. redid a roof yeah. last week. There are people that are having some solar panels put on. You mean financially helping, or you mean in terms of allowing for the siting and? Uh, it's funny they were being a little, little difficult with the uh, permitting because they wanted an engineer to come in and uh, yeah check the roof. Right. Um, right. But from what I understand, they're not very heavy. They're not. And they and they but they have to cover themselves. So. But yeah. yeah, and don't they get warm so they also don't catch snow? Uh, the photovoltaics don't really heat up. Yeah. Okay. So and snow depending, can depending pile up on, on them. 
Uh, it does. Ours clear really quickly yeah. because they're just from the radiation of the sun. It right, tends right, to right, right. even the rim around starts heating, and they unload. You know, and after a snowy day, and the sun comes out, they'll unload, and if they're if they're at a good angle, yeah, they'll right. unload within an hour. It's, it's not right, a problem. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So my th- my the, the train of thought there was that it would be at least lighter than snow piling up. True. On a regular yeah, roof. Yeah, yeah, substantially yeah. after a while. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Cool, man. Oh, this is great. Yeah. Anything else? Oh, uh, we could go on and on, but I I would uh. I'd probably go down the Debbie Downer road again. So <laughs> we should leave it on a positive note. Of yeah. How much, you know, the reason our organization exists and why I get up in the morning knowing the things that I know yeah. is because I believe yeah. that the change is can possible. only, is possible and it can only bubble up from the grassroots. Now yeah. that doesn't mean that we don't need policy changes, but if people don't demand it, it's not going to happen because they're, we're rolling too fast with our mm. corporate structures and the way our politics run. People need to get their voices mm. and the, the voices need to come from unusual partners and unusual, um, you know, collaborators. Yeah. And those of us with privilege coming back to that, cause I want to hammer that one more time. Those of us with privilege really joining our voice with people that are bearing the brunt of all of our privilege. Yeah. You know, so That's a how we do that. That's an enormous topic. Yeah, how do we do that? How we do that is community by community. I can't answer that. You know, it yeah. has to happen in our communities. Yeah, and right it's now, showing up just ge- in a genuine so way. much tension. So there is. So much tension. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's even like... It's, for good reason. Yeah, and you see it, you see it bubbling like within the communities as yeah. well. You know, oh, you get these... definitely. It's wild. Yeah, it's not, not simple, but we... As my uh, good friend said, you make the next best decision. You just keep moving forward. Mm. So You make the next best decision. Right? Yeah. When things get overwhelming, just make your next best decision. Yeah. And then the next one. So that's my closing word of wis- wisdom. Yeah, right on. Yeah. All right, well, love you. Love you. Thanks, Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for coming. Okay. Later, Gator. Bye.